Pastor Ed Taylor says a key to success in life is humility. There is this tendency for believers to be at odds with one another, to be fighting with one another. It happens in many different contexts. It happens leader to leader. It happens believer to believer. It happens believer to leader, leader to believer. It happens husband to wife, wife to husband. It happens between kids, believers. That so much time and energy is, is given and wasted with our infighting where people really don't see Jesus in us because we're too busy trying to make our point instead of not humbling ourselves and extending the love that God has extended to us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace, the radio ministry of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Last time, you may recall, we learned that we all will be held accountable for what we know, and that includes what we're about to learn today on the broadcast. Speaking of which, we'll seek to apply six wonderful words to our lives and ministry. He must increase, I must decrease. As we're humble and seek to exalt Christ, something amazing happens. Let's hear more about that as we join Pastor Ed Taylor in Romans chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 3. Here's what happens when God's word is not mixed with faith. We may know the Lord and know about the Lord, but who knows our Lord through us? Who sees Jesus at work? Who receives that compassionate note, that helpful hand? Who receives the gospel? It becomes profitless. Notice verse 12, chapter 3. It's a warning. He says, beware, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. That's a beautiful gift. We may not always like those that are gifted with exhortation, but we need them in our lives. Exhort one another. Stir people up together. While it's called today, he says, verse 13, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that, the Lord, that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They couldn't enter into the promises of God because they had unbelief. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 4, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. That's a sad verse. That's a sad section. The 11-day, 40-year thing is absolutely impossible to kind of comprehend. So let me paint it a different way. Let's imagine you're on your way to church here, on your way to the school here. Maybe it's your first time. You have no idea where this school is. The signs blew down or they got stolen or whatever. There's no signs. You have no idea where, how to get here. It's supposed to take you normally about 11 minutes to get here. But it's taking you 40 days. That's like an impossibility, right? 
Now, of course, for you ladies, it's not going to take you 40 days because somewhere along the line, you're going to actually stop and ask for directions, right? Take the guys a little bit longer. But 11-minute trip, 40 days. All around, you're, and you're driving around the block, you just don't see the school. You're just driving, 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 and you're like, hey, 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 you know, you're driving around Sunday, you see like 100 cars pass you, and you're like, I don't know, it could be around here, I don't know. I, I don't know, I'm just not going to stop. I'm not going to believe God that it was a left, I think it was a right, I'm not going to. It's just, it blows the mind, right? I could never think of an 11-minute journey taking 40 days. Take that out now, an 11-day journey taking 40 years. But listen, I've seen Christians that God could do the work in your life in 11 seconds, in an instant, that it's year after year after year after year that you're still dealing with the same thing. And my question to you is, have you mixed what you've heard with faith and obeyed the Lord? That's my prayer for you, that we would be a people, Calvary Aurora, that we mix what we hear with faith. And God totally told us, you know, we're not hardening our hearts. So I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do, you know, I hear you, Pastor, but hey, you know, my life's different. And whatever, whatever it might be. And I'm just saying, no, your marriage can be saved. You know, let, let me just say this. The key to spiritual success, or a key, I can't say the key, a key is simply this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. You got a tension with someone right now? Humble yourself. You got some friction with someone? Humble yourself. You got some kind of issue out there that it's impossible, there's no solution. I'll tell you, the solution is humble yourself. Did you hear what I didn't say? I didn't say, well, if both of you humble yourself, God might do a work. Or, you know, make sure they humble themselves first and then you can humble yourself. No, no, you humble yourself. Let God use you. Let God be a channel through you. Oh, I know God might be taking some time to work with them, but you humble yourself. God says he'll lift you up. You remember the psalm we read this morning? We could quickly forget it. Flip back to Psalm 113, lest we do forget. Psalm 113, the humility of our God. I mean, this is, this is one of those verses that just jumps out at us. Psalm 113, notice verse 6. We read it this morning. It was the verse that you guys read, the even number verses. Psalm 113, verse 6. Speaking of God, well, really, verse 5, who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. Now, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. We see it lived out very practically all the way in the New Testament, past Romans to Philippians. You can always remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 2, we see it lived out in the life of Jesus Christ. Awesome. We pick up in verse 5. Speaking of believers, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, and being, verse 8, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Pride has destroyed too many relationships, too many Christians, and God has given you a chance, reminding you today, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift you up. Humility is a powerful, powerful tool in the hands of God in our lives. It, it is a channel where God can show up so powerfully. We actually see it lived out in another man by the name of John. John chapter 3, go back with me. I know we're flipping a lot this morning, but that's okay. You guys have fast fingers. Flip, flip, flip. John chapter 3, verse 26. John the Baptist was a messenger with a message. 
And John the Baptist is a great example of someone who was living up to the light that he was given. The beginning of his ministry, he was given to be a voice. He was going to prepare the way for the Messiah, John the Baptist. He was in a place, we studied it not too long ago on Thursdays. By the way, if you don't normally come to Thursdays, it might be something really good for you to begin. It's our midweek Bible study. It's a time where you can just, hey, I've had a hard week. I've had a tough week. I need some refreshment time. I just need to come and sit my and just receive from the Lord. Thursdays is fun. It's a great Bible study. We kind of go, or at least we're intended to go a little bit faster through the scriptures. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But notice John the Baptist here. We're going to pick up in verse 26. Because something's happening now that Jesus has come onto the scene. It seems as if Jesus is taking away disciples from John. And they came to him and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he's baptizing, and all are coming to him. I mean, this is a very critical time, a very difficult time for John the Baptist. Because he could easily turn. He could easily turn from his place of humility to a place of pride. As he sees Jesus come on the scene, his ministry is really fulfilled. Everyone's going to be drawn to Jesus now, and he could easily get all upset about it and start pulling people to himself. And here's the encouragement. You know, God is our strength and our source. He's our motivator in everything. And since God is our strength, then you and I can just trust him by the grace and the power of his Holy Spirit to make us what he wants us to be. You don't have to worry about what you're not. Just be concerned and encouraged that you will be how God's going to use you. He's going to develop in you the characteristics that you're looking for. He's going to develop in you the strength and the power that's necessary to follow through with everything that you hear. That's an encouragement. We're not left on our own with a bunch of platitudes and here's seven easy ways to live in the Christian life. Here's one easy way. Abide in Jesus Christ and he abides in you. And those characteristics are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, we all need more love in our life. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. These will be yours as you walk in the Spirit, abiding in the Lord. You know, it's been said that you can give a man a dollar and you'll cheer up his heart. And you can give a man a dream and you'll challenge his heart. But you can give a man Jesus Christ and you'll change his heart. It's awesome what the Lord does. And yet, there is this tendency for believers to be at odds with one another, to be fighting with one another. It happens in many different contexts. It happens leader to leader. It happens believer to believer. It happens believer to leader, leader to believer. It happens husband to wife, wife to husband. It happens between kids, believers. That so much time and energy is, is given and wasted with our infighting where people really don't see Jesus in us because we're too busy trying to make our point instead of not humbling ourselves and extending the love that God has extended to us. Oswald Chambers said this, God is not saving the world, it's already done. Our business is to get men and women to realize it. The work is already done. The solution in your life as a Christian is already available to you. The Bible says that his word is settled in heaven. The question is, is it settled in you? Is it settled in your life? The solutions that God has given you. The work that he wants to accomplish in you. John the Baptist, he comes and it's settled in his heart already. People are going away from him and being drawn away from him to Jesus. And in this dispute, in this concern, the way that John answers and how he responds will determine everything that comes up next in his life. He could either A, draw people after himself and leave Jesus alone. Don't leave me. Stay with me. Or he could say what he does. You know what? 
You need to follow Jesus. That's why I'm here. And let's just pause here just for a second, and it's a good time to be reminded on how to handle difficult things that are brought to us. Whether it's a difficult word about a brother or sister, whether it's possibly gossip or a problem or slander, it could be anything that has the possibility to divide believers from believers, to divide the body of Christ. On the one hand, we can be a listener and a spreader of that kind of stuff, that's sinful slander, or we can be a light and a shield. Which do you want to be? I mean, you got to settle in your heart right now, don't you? So the next time this happens, I can either be a light and a shield and point them to Jesus, like John the Baptist does, or I can be a listener and a spreader of this very same thing. And now I can be used for the kingdom of darkness again, even though I love Lord Jesus Christ. John, man, he lo- I love this. Look at his answer, verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So number one in his response, one thing that really blesses me about John is that he says, Listen, what we're doing and who I am is a gift from God. That's important to settle in your heart. Who you are in this life, what position you have in life, it's a gift from God. And I'm just going to be satisfied with what God's doing in my life right now. I'm going to be satisfied whether it's more or less. All that we have and all that we experience is a blessing. And the gifts that we have to serve come from God. So he alone must receive all the glory for great things he has done and continues to do. And so John could have said, oh, man, I can't believe it. Everybody's leaving me. Come back. But he says, no. Hey, what I'm doing, no matter who's here, I'm I'm just blessed that the Lord would use me. I'm just, it just blows me away that I would be the messenger. Of all the people that could be the messenger, I'm the messenger. Then verse 28, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You know what I see John saying there? Number two, he just says, I'm just a voice. I'm just a tool in the hands of God. That's all I am. I'm nothing more. I'm nothing. I'm just a tool. I'm just a voice. I'm just someone that God is using right now. I don't need to be elevated any higher than I am right now. I'm just someone that when you see, you don't think of me, you think of him. Really important for us to grasp. It's not about me. It's almost like John is saying, I'm perfectly content to be the voice announcing the Messiah, and I'm okay with stepping out of the way and letting Jesus take over. I hope you get to that place. So I'm okay with stepping out of the way and letting Jesus take over. Look at verse 29 now. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Listen, this is crazy because as everything's happening in his life and Jesus is just being elevated here, you know what John says? John says, I'm totally cool with it. This is like, I love to see him blessed. I'm loving to see this happen with Jesus. He's the bridegroom. I'm just cool being his friend. And you know what? The friends of the bridegroom rejoice with the bridegroom. This is really important because the essence of a lot of tension is that someone else gets something that we don't get. Have you noticed that? We are just so in the flesh when that happens. Instead of immediately being excited for someone and what God's doing in their life, there is something in us that goes, that's really cool that you got that, but I wish I did. I wish I got it. Like, what do you mean you wish you got it? Aren't you cool? Aren't you glad? I'm glad they got it. I wish I got it. Oh, okay. You know, and we, we do this all the time. We compare ourselves with other people and it busts us. 
So, wow, man, I, I, re I am so glad you got that car with that interior and those wheels, and I'm really glad you got that car. And you're driving around with a car with three wheels, and you're missing a gear. Because it's our flesh, isn't it? Our flesh minds are very difficult to be happy for someone else. But in the Spirit of God, we can come like John and say, you know what? My joy is fulfilled that you're blessed. This is so cool. See, we need to pray for this heart that John was given. The reason I love John the Baptist as an example here, we see in Psalm 113, God humbled himself. We see in Philippians chapter 2, the perfect man, Jesus humbled himself. But now John the Baptist wasn't a perfect man, and he was able to do it. And if John the Baptist was able to do it, we're able to do it. But it doesn't end there. Verse 30, these seven words can change your life. Listen, let's read it together. You ready? He must increase, but... Did you guys hear that? You read it. <laughs> came from your lips. It's true. You can even take the word must out. It was added by the translators to try to bring some clarity to it. But if you read it without that word, he must increase, but I decrease. Simple as that. So what's the solution, Ed? Decrease. What should I do? Decrease. <laughs> but he... Decrease. <laughs> I should have that in all the pastor's offices. Here's the biblical counseling. Decrease. <laughs> And just have it flashing all the time. Oh, I'm not going there again. I must decrease. But there's a corresponding increase of Jesus Christ. I must decrease so that Jesus Christ can increase in my life. But he says it backwards. Just really looking at Jesus. Jesus needs to increase in your life even more than what you've seen right now. You might be a believer here for 50 years. Jesus needs to increase in your life. I mean, you might have experienced the greatest heights that a person can experience this side of eternity. Jesus must increase. There's a lot more that the Lord wants to show you and wants to do in your life. It's not over. You're not done. No matter what your age is here today, no matter whether you're beginning this journey with Jesus Christ, this beautiful walk with the Lord, or you've been around the block a few times with Jesus, he must increase. And as he increases, then you and I, we decrease. These words... Give us freedom to be used mighty of the Lord because great is joy that comes from the Lord when he's honored and he's glorified. Boy, Pastor Ed, I don't want to decrease. Tough. <laughs> Too bad. I don't have another answer for you. If you don't want to decrease, there's nothing that I can physically do to help you realize that. I can only plead with you. Decrease. Let Jesus increase in your life. Give him that area. Give him that attitude. Give it to him. Don't keep thinking about it. Don't keep trying to get over it in your own strength. Don't try to logically put it all together. Don't come up with a 10-step plan. Don't come up with, just let the freedom of Jesus Christ flow in your life and work through the difficult details. Work through the consequences it might have. Work through in praying and seeking the Lord and surrendering. Listen, you and I, we can't surrender enough. There's always levels of surrender. And guys, that area, that attitude, that statement, I don't want to decrease or I don't have to decrease, compared with our study last week and how easy it is for us to make excuses, listen, that's something that just needs to be crucified at the cross of Jesus Christ. you got to let go of it. Pride has blinded you to the reality of Jesus and you're missing out on his love flowing through you. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is in a study of Romans, and today's message called, We Are Accountable for What We Know, can be heard again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't go away. Pastor Ed will be right back to finish up the message. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Here in the month of December, we've picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make for a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE. Please remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and world. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now with these concluding remarks, here again is Pastor Ed. One final word before we leave. Remember, God will hold us accountable for what we know, not for what we don't know, so that now even today we're all held accountable for what's been taught here. We're all been held accountable for what Paul said. In relation to the bigger scheme of judgment, with the law you'll be judged by the law, without the law you'll be judged without the law. You're going to be judged by the place of what you know, what you don't know. By application, listen, one of the things that we need to grasp before we leave is this idea of humility of humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God so that he might lift us up. To be the servant of all. Flip over to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus gives us a paradox. So different from the way the world operates. The world says, you want to be big and you want to be successful, then step all over everybody, take advantage of everyone, make sure they're the servants and you're the leader. But Jesus, he gives a different example in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, verse 45. Of course, of all the people that ever walked the face of the earth that would be worthy of our ministry and our service, it would be Jesus. But I want you to notice Mark, Mark really identifies this. We see it throughout the life of Jesus, but Mark hits it on the head by instructing us in verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Two verbs that will bless you. Serve and give. Serve and give. I'm not talking about the kind of service that's scheduled and I've got this appointment, but it's a lifestyle. I'm a servant and I'm a giver. That's how we're described as Christians. I'm a servant and I'm a giver. I'm reminding the pastors of this church, the leadership of this church. I'm reminding the Sunday school teachers, those that are setting up. Every time I have an opportunity, the Lord lays upon my heart, I want us to be reminded that we're just servants. In this church, you're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. That's why God brought me to this place, to serve you. I'm the chief servant that apart from Jesus Christ being the chief shepherd and the chief servant, and in my flesh, I want to be the chief servant. Just because there are more leaders here doesn't mean I do less. Just because the church grows, well, I got a lot of people now. I just got to kick back. Can you bring me my water, please? Bring my water. If I don't have water, guess what? I'll go get it. And I'm out. Can you guys get me? No, I'm just kidding. You're not here to serve me. I can't cop an attitude walking around. Why isn't anybody serving me? Because you're not here to serve me. We're here to serve each other as unto the Lord. There'll be times when you serve me. 
and you bless me by your service. There'll be times when I serve you and bless you by my service. But if I ever lose the attitude, if you ever lose the attitude that we're just servants, we're nothing more. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the pastor. He's our leader. We, we're servants. You miss that, you miss out. You know, the church isn't filled with celebrities. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not somebody, you know, I'm not superstar. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy that's been changed by the grace of God. That if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, you and I would have never met. Unless you were doing a prison visit or something, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, you need the Lord. We would have never met. Things in my life would have never happened. It's true for you too. Apart from Jesus Christ, where you're at right now probably would have never happened. You don't even know what, where you'd be right now or what you'd be involved in. And if you lose the point as a Christian that you're a servant, then you're going to miss out. Jesus wants to equip you so you might die to yourself, that you might be a vessel for him. And you'll know. You want a barometer of what kind of servant's heart you have? You really want to know? So yes, Pastor Ed, I want to know. What kind of servant am I? Well, it's very easy. The next time someone treats you like a servant, the way, or treats you like a servant and you, they come to you and require something from you and they want you to serve, the next time you're treated like a servant, the way you respond will reveal your heart. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that religion and rituals will not save us. Pastor Ed Taylor will return to Romans chapter 2. Hope to have you with us. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.